overwhelmed, Bretto. It is perhaps the number one challenge our Wellness Couch listeners face. It's also the number one reason why many listeners can't get to our live events. Well, we have listened to our listeners and we are putting on our first online event, Release Your Overwhelm. So exciting, MP. Put Saturday, November 23 in the calendar. Log in from your phone or your TV or your laptop anywhere in the world and tune in to... Kim Morrison. Brett Hill. Marcus Pierce, Wendy Stewart. And Jason Witten. Release your overwhelm about time, relationships, money, your body, and most importantly, you. Access is just $10 and available at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. Book in now at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. This podcast is very proudly brought to you by my new book, From Peasant's Food to Superfoods. This book is based on cooking for the entire family and it guides cooks from all experiences on how to integrate healthy foods into everyday life. I know it's easy to stick to the same old things every week with a family to feed and a budget to stick to, but eating nutritious and delicious food every night is achievable and affordable. Learning how to use, prepare and incorporate new and old ingredients into tasty and exciting food is what I love doing. So I have put this book together. It's over 300 pages. There's over 100 simple, nutritious recipes, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, desserts. Most of it's gluten-free, dairy-free. It's very gut healing, very anti-inflammatory and I hope that you will love it as much as I have, putting it together and (laughs) bringing it to life. So if you would like to check it out, learn more or order it, jump online at www.mgherbs.com.au. And thanks for bringing us the podcast today. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. Hey everyone, I got an email today that I wanted to share with you. It says, hi there, I'm the founder of Feedspot. I would like to personally congratulate you as your podcast, The Naked Naturopath, has been selected by our panellists as one of the top 20 naturopath podcasts on the internet. I personally give you a high five and want to thank you for your contribution to this world. This is the most comprehensive list of top 20 naturopath podcasts on the internet and I'm honoured to have you as part of this. Uh, We'd be grateful if you can help spread the word by briefly mentioning about the top 20 naturopath podcast lists in any of your upcoming posts. So you can go to blog.feedspot.com forward slash naturopath underscore podcasts to check it out. And um, amazingly, I followed the link and I am number four on the uh, top 20 naturopath podcasts after three integrative um well not integrative they're they're NDs so they're from the states where you can become a naturopathic doctor uh which is so cool because so it's like naturopathic doctor one two three and then little old me here in Australia um amazing and I just wanted to say thank you so much to the founder of um feed spot and to everybody who was on the panel like that's that's an amazing amazing honor and what a beautiful email to get over the weekend So uh, I wanted to share that with you guys and you can go and check it out and maybe you'll find some other podcasts that you can add to your repertoire. And I guess in honor of that, for today's podcast, I wanted to share with you a little bit of my story and and a little bit more about me because when I started the podcast, I was so driven to provide information on health and 
you know, just just give people something to listen to where they could learn. And I've always been very reluctant to talk about myself and I've kind of had to learn how to um, put that in <laughs> where I can and, you know, just so that I'm a bit more relatable because I am a human being and I'm not just this, like, clinical um I don't know, somebody sitting here just reading off facts. I'm not like, yeah, a robot. So <laughs> I know you guys probably know, but I feel like I don't really talk about me. Um, maybe you're like, yeah, you do, Mel, so email me if I do. But I, you know, I've written books and I started my first ever book because I got really sick. And this is actually something that I don't talk about much. But at the start of my book, um, I did tell my story and I thought I would share that with you guys. So in 2014, I went to Bali for one of my very good friend's weddings. She's Balinese. And her and her family um, obviously have immunity to certain pathogens there. But for me, I got really, really sick. I'd never been before. And I brought a parasite home with me. And I know lots of people have had parasites, um, but I, I had a really hard time with it. I had it after a year of trying to kill it. I was really sick. I was very underweight. Um, For me, I became a naturopath because I couldn't be well in the mainstream model alone. I love to use both modes of method, but for me, I just, I don't respond well to many pharmaceuticals. I seem to have this um, sensitivity where I get allergic to lots of different things and it doesn't take much to put my health off kilter. So I, you know, I went down the naturopathic road because I do have to look after myself quite well to um, stay well. And so this parasite really took a lot of weight off me. Um, I was, yeah, I kind of looked skeletal at the time. I became very depressed and I suffered with constant stomach troubles. Migraines were a real problem and I had this fatigue, like this overwhelming fatigue that um, it's actually bringing tears to my eyes now when I talk about it. Um, It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. So I did take antibiotics a few times throughout this period. And then finally, I went and seen a travel doctor who I never really knew that these existed before, but um, it was someone who specialized in parasites and, you know, these things that you get when you travel. So he gave me a different type of antibiotics and they – I would, I would call them my lifesaver. They, they literally saved my life. Um, but I was left with a lot of damage. So by the time that the parasite was gone, I had 11 food intolerances and I had this journey of discovery as to what anaphylactic allergies I had developed. So one day I'm just sitting there eating my normal kind of stuff and, um, my mouth starts swelling up, my tongue starts swelling up, and I'm like, oh, this isn't normal for me. <laughs> and, um, you know, my Sam was my husband now, my boyfriend at the time, he was like, do you think we should go to hospital? I was like, oh, it's fine, I'll be okay, because my tongue was, like, huge. And it just kept getting worse and worse, and, yeah, we did have to go to hospital. So um, uh, we worked out later that there had been eggplant on the chopping board at this cafe that we were eating at and then they had chopped whatever I was eating on it and it was this crossover of eggplant which I hadn't had an issue with before but now had become one of my food intolerances or my allergies I should say. So my diet was fairly limited um, at the time and the reason that I wrote the book is because I started cooking things that I loved 
but in a version that I could eat. So as any fellow foodie will know, you know, a love of um, a love of food never leaves and it, having all these food intolerances and allergies did little to diminish my passion for food. So I'm adapting these recipes and I'm getting super creative in the kitchen and I definitely at first used lots of complicated and expensive ingredients with like gluten-free alternatives, dairy-free alternatives, egg replacer, all these like weird faux foods that we think we have to use when we have these intolerances. But I hated it. It was <laughs> number one, it was so expensive. And number two, I'd have to go shopping every time I wanted to cook something because I'd need a new ingredient. So I I went, you know, one day I went to visit my nan and, and she's like, what, what can't you eat? And I told her and, and, you know, it's like, it's gluten, it's dairy, it's eggs. It's, um, at the time it was capsicum, eggplant. Um, you know, I could still like pretty much shoot them off because I would have to do so if I went to a cafe or anything like that. Um, yeast, uh, potatoes, like all these ridiculous things that you just take for granted. Tomatoes was one of them. And um, she's like, well, can't you eat this meat and this veg? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, can't you do this casserole? And I was like, well, yeah, I could. And so that really was an eye, like this light bulb moment for me because it, it returned me to real food. And I started to come back in myself. You know, that really helped with a lot of my anxiety and depression that I had at the time. I started to put weight back on because I could cook, you know, I could cook and I could make myself food that was safe. I, I had a real fear by this stage of eating the wrong food, even though I really don't believe there's right and wrong food. I I just had this overwhelming fear that I would eat something and get sick again and I would eat something and my mouth would swell up again. And as anyone who's had food intolerances will know that that fear can become really real. And so I would prefer not to eat than risk eating. And that wasn't helping the weight gain, obviously. <laughs> so I had this um, return to cooking and, and started to put my own twists on things and a return to health. And that really showed um, as I went into my practice because, you know, I was, I graduated and I, I went into private practice and I, you know, I started talking about it. I started talking about how many gluten-free options have such refined high, they're so high in refined starches and sugar and, you know, dairy-free alternatives are full of soy and sugar. And like, why not use banana or chia seeds or psyllium husk to hold a cake together or meatballs together instead of this weird ass egg replacer that I was buying. And people really liked what I was saying. They, you know, I'm talking about using food as, as actual food and adding nutrition at the same time. And so people started asking me to write it down. And so I'm talking to these people in clinic and I got this, you know, for some reason, when you practice in clinic, you seem to attract what's happening for you at the time. I don't know if it's like this cosmic, um, you know, thing like where you get sent people that you can help. I have always believed that, you know, if somebody's put in front of me that I'm, I'm the one who is there to help them. So yeah, like I started getting all these people and they're saying, Oh my gosh, can you write down your recipe for this? Can you write down your recipe for that? And and then I started having people say, "Can like, do you have a book? Do you have a cookbook? Oh, you've got all these recipes. Do you have a cookbook? And so I sat down and, like, yeah, I'd always written down my recipes. I put on – I found um, on my Instagram, which is 
uh, MG Herbs underscore the Naked Naturopath, you can go on. And if you flick back a little while ago, I found my first ever cookbook, which is like this recipe book that I started when I was in my young teens um, or even earlier. And when I found it, I was like, oh, because I'm always talking about how I never set out to write a cookbook. But apparently I've always been writing recipes. So anyway, I I wrote the book. I wrote my first book. Um, it's called Simply Balanced and I self-published it. And it was the the support that I got for that was so amazing. Like it was it was enormous and for me, you know, like it's not like this worldwide New York Times rated thing. It's just this, it was a huge, beautiful um, local support that I got from my clients, my family, my friends who have supported me throughout all of the book woes that I've been through and <laughs> the ups and downs of publishing. Ugh. And so I'm when I sat down to um, write that first book, I I really found myself going back to recipes that my grandparents had taught me and that they had made for me as a child. So stuff like stews and casseroles, slow cooked meals and roasts and braised meats and curries, stuff that um, was easy to digest. Eating slow cooked meals and, and eating offal where I could meant that I could access this array of nutrients that were already broken down for my stomach, which was pretty um, pretty rough at the time. They That type of eating is naturally inf- anti-inflammatory and it's um it's really filling and it's homey and it gives you something back you know it's often packed with fat and protein and obviously heaps of nutrition so I started feeling good again I started feeling energetic again and I used I had worked in health food for a really long time and so I started just messing around with stuff you know and I was using um I couldn't eat any nuts at the time so I would just replace them with different seeds and see what textures worked best and um, making chia eggs and um, seed milks and all this different stuff and and just getting an idea. Like that's the thing about being in the kitchen and cooking. And even if you buy a cookbook, whether it's mine or it's someone else's, it, you can make it your own. Like I'm always writing in my cookbooks. And for a long time I was like, oh, I don't want to like deface it. But when I'm writing it, it makes that recipe mine and, and you need to change it to suit you. Like you might not like almond milk. I don't like almond milk, but I love macadamia milk. So you can just play with things and see what works for you and see what your family likes best and then see what replaces it well, you know, because some, like, for example, let me think of an example. Um, If you're making something that should have almond meal in it, maybe pepita meal or sunflower meal um, are a bit dry. So like a hazelnut meal works really well. And yes, I can eat nuts now. So that's, <laughs> that's separate. But um, the point of all this food and all this eating and all this healing is so that you can eat again. And I can have lots of my food intolerances within reason. So I, along the way, I kind of, I'm cooking away and I'm learning and I'm reading as you do and I started to learn the value of fermented foods and Australia is quite a unique country because we don't have a national like fermented food and I think that's to our detriment. We, I had to learn like from scratch how to ferment at home and then I go and I go to the coffee shop up the road and I talk to my Korean friend and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, kimchi just passed down, all different types of kimchi. We have um, different names for them. We've got, you know, quick kimchi. We've got a uh, week 
old kimchi. It's just this beautiful thing that's inherent in their culture, and we really don't have that in Australia, which is such a shame. So I developed the skills to do that, and, you know, that includes making my own sourdough at home. There's there's people who talk about the fact that we shouldn't be eating wheat unless it's fermented, and I have done podcasts in the past on soy, which – Again, um, think we think that we shouldn't be eating unless it's fermented because uh, they both contain these things called anti-nutrients. And if you want to go back and listen to the soy podcast, you can, and that'll tell you more about that. But same idea with wheat. So I then started teaching my clients and anyone else who would listen to me talk about fermentation. And um, in addition to tasting great and, like, adding all these new flavors to my palate, fermented foods were really vital to healing the damage the damage that was done to my gut by this parasite. So as I'm, you know, oh, feeling sorry for myself and and working on this healing journey, I'm getting these people in who who really had been had been stuck to it. They, you know, they had tummy troubles that people have and they they just think are normal. Um, they put up with every day are shocking. I, I couldn't believe some of the stuff that people would put up with. Like we think it's normal to have, you know, diarrhea six times a day or um, we've been diagnosed with IBS, so it's fine. I just have IBS, you know. Um, chronic constipation, bloating that makes people have to lay down at their workplace, pain after eating every time. And, of course, if your tummy is upset, the mental health implications that go along with that, fatigue, depression, anxiety, like that stuff just becomes rampant and it's really difficult to get on top of it because once once you don't trust your food, you lose a lot of joy in life, um, which, you know, is what happened for me. And also like you've got this, it's compounded because you are feeling really depressed and anxious and then you're not enjoying your food and then you're scared to eat and and it becomes this vicious cycle that, you know, I just, I just don't want that for anyone. Um, so I, you know, I, I wrote those, the books for, for that, I guess, and I just really enjoyed it. So I wrote another one and then I really enjoyed that. And so I wrote another one and I, I self-published the first two books. And the third one I really wanted to see if I could make it go further and reach more people. Um, because when I'm in clinic and, and people are telling me what's going on for them, I just I think that these are the people who've come for help. And then how many people out there haven't? You know, they're just they're living their daily lives. They think this is normal. They're unhappy. Uh, I just I wanted to reach more people, I guess, and, and just get that book out there and let people know that they can heal this stuff and that they can get better and that they can eat eggs again, which was my goal all along. <laughs> and so I'm starting to find wellness again. And, um, I, I did develop a tolerance to reintroduce most foods and I guess wanting to share this way of healing was really important to me, um, healing through food. And rather than new ideas, I found myself preaching old ways, uh, my nan and pop's ways, you know, my grandparents' ways of eating and enjoying food and the stuff that we've moved away from, what little culture we did have, we've moved away from it. Um, and we've like we've lost a lot of that throughout the years of 
fat-free, sugar-free, low-carb, fad dieting stuff. The way that I want to eat goes back to our roots. And I found that I haven't even just gone back to our roots. I've gone back to older roots, more culturally rich roots, how our ancestors um, ate for sure, but how our ancestors ate in other countries as well. And I love, love, love learning about that stuff. So as soon as I, you know, like I walk into our local Korean supermarket and I just have so many questions, they, they're always laughing at me, um, you know, because like there's like so many different types of fish sauce and you need a very specific fish sauce to make different types of kimchi take different types of fish sauces. And I want to learn. I want to learn all of that. Um, and I still go to fermenting classes and, um, you know, and love, love, love learning different people's ways of doing things. And even within that culture, um, you have people who do things slightly different. Like you do, you know, everyone does their barbecue different in Australia. <laughs> like my dad has always taken the jug out and cleaned the barbecue with newspaper um, or paper towel or something like that. Whereas, you know, Sam's dad, he likes to clean it with a, like a cut lemon. Um, so everyone has their way of doing things. And so I really just found that this was a great way to integrate my knowledge of healthy foods and utilize the best offerings of um, the superfood movement that was um, hitting health food stores at the time that I wrote my first book. And so I started talking about carrots being superfoods and beetroots being superfoods and not just like kale and um, acai and chia seeds, which are, you know, like really trendy. But to me, all whole foods are superfoods. Whole foods are foods that um, they come just the way that they are and they haven't been changed. Uh, fruit, veggies, nuts, seeds, grains, animal products, like the study of nutrition and implementing a balanced way of cooking and eating really took me back to my childhood and what my grandparents had been doing. And reintroducing butter and throwing away margarine was huge because I'd always grown up on margarine. Um, saving the lard from cooking, like I thought that was so gross at first, but now I can't imagine doing it any other way, like learning how to prepare and cook and eat new parts of the animal that uh, had always been like weird and gross. So brains and, and liver and kidneys, and I know lots of you will be screwing up your nose, but this is what we have to do if we want to sustain the earth and if we want to make sure that that animal died you know, didn't die in vain, like let's eat the whole animal. So we're moving away from fast food cooking and towards like all that slower stuff that I talked about. So all the nutrients can be transferred from the food into our bodies and plus it adds so much flavour. Uh, that, that way of eating is what healed my gut. And I think for a lot of people, leaky gut, um, kids who've had to go on antibiotics and stuff like that, that's cool, but let's let's heal that gut up. Um and it's a really good way to use those tough cuts of meat as well as save money because nobody is eating them. So, like, I'll buy them. <laughs> um, my favourite part was, like, I, I would just be transported back to my granddad's kitchen. Um, and he died when I was young. And so I'd, my memories are sketchy. But one of the things that I do remember was him cooking and he'd always cook hot breakfast and it would be like lamb's fry. And um, I feel a bit like <laughs> this has been a very teary podcast. Um, that's something that is really 
like in my heart is to share that kind of food that he cooked uh, for me because it's such a fond memory. It's, yeah, it's got a real beauty to it. Um, so starting with something simple with offal is the way to go. Something like steak and kidney pie is usually a great way to introduce the new flavours to the family and it's a bit familiar because it's in a pie. Um, yeah, I'd recommend that. So I hope that you learned something out of this podcast and you got something out of it. I just I just wanted to tell you a little bit about me and a little bit about my story and um, I guess why I wrote those cookbooks, where they've come from and um, – yeah, I'm just so proud to be that fourth vote <laughs> that I um, I thought that I would, yeah, give something back and say thank you for that. So enjoy this podcast and um, if you have any anything you want me to speak on, please email me at info at mgherbs.com.au. And until next time, be healthy. If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.